0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Uganda missionary Katie Davis Majors dares you to hope even when you don't get what you expect.
1: And for a little while I really wrestled with, okay God, who are you here? You know, when you're when you're watching children die from preventable disease, when you're telling a mother Your child is not going to live anymore in the midst of such hardship. Who is a good and loving God?
0: To life today, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Betty and this
2: is James. Yeah, and you know, since a lot of folks have seen us, we're I'm, I'm 74 now. And this no, all this, you older than Look me at all now. the young people coming <laughs> to see me now that I'm 74. He nice. says, The guy's amazing, the guy's still moving. Married to an older man, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, how old would you be, Miss Betty? <clears throat> Not 74. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Yet. Okay.
0: Close. Yeah, she, you
2: know, she always says, you always have to tell them in just a little while, I'll be a 74 oh, day. What do you have to tell them? Just talk about yourself, all right? <laughs> well, look, we are just thrilled to have uh, Kisses from Katie here. That was the best selling <laughs> book that just, I think it, it, it just kind of shocked her, I'm sure her family and everybody that it just took off. But it wasn't hard for me to understand why that this uh, teenage girl would go over to Uganda just to do a little mission tour and just basically never come back. And of all things, as a teenager, unmarried, start adopting kids, little kids, hungry kids, homeless kids, hurting kids, and not only taking them into her house, which was not enough house, but into her heart, and she wrote the book, Kisses from Katie. And uh, when Betty and I were reading and saw how she lost her life totally in Christ and His will, I was moved and realized why people who read it suddenly realized if a miracle like that can cause a girl to say, I lost my life there, and yet found it, actually.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Lost it in Christ to really find it in fullness. It was really moving, wasn't it?
0: It really was. I love the way she phrased it. She said, I quit my life. Mm. And she let God pick her up and put his life in her. Mm-hmm. And she, she got great satisfaction, great peace. And to be in a place like that, so far away from really everything she was used to, You know, it was just amazing. And only God can do that in someone.
2: And that love poured like a river, not only there in Uganda, where she's been now for more than 10 years. She's now married, they have 13 children that are adopted and have one of their own. Would you welcome now the author of this new book, Daring to Hope, and we're gonna talk to Katie Davis Majors. Would you welcome Katie? (laughs) Did you meet the man that married the girl that had all the
1: kids? (laughs) Benji came over to Uganda as a missionary about seven years ago with the goal of discipling men. So he did full-time men's ministry, meeting with small groups of men and studying the word with them, encouraging them in their role as a husband or a father. Um, We lived in the same community. We attended the same church and the same Bible study. And so we became friends and then better friends <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: he was okay with taking all the kids and everything because it'd be like the guy goes home he's married he got 13 kids <laughs> that's a heck of a start you know
1: yeah it's, it's a big commitment and we um we dated for a while and thought about it a lot and prayed about it a lot but he he had had relationship with my kids just as a community member someone who would fix their bikes when they got broken or come kick around a soccer ball with them some afternoons. And so they all knew and loved him as well. And yeah, he was committed to not just me, but to all of us.
2: And, and you have a little one?
1: We do. We have a little boy now. <laughs> with
2: all those girls. All those girls
1: and one baby boy. Are they all boy. taking care
2: of him, too? You oh, got a lot of Oh, man, help? they
1: love him so much. <laughs> when wow. I always joke that from about four to six, I don't see him because if they get home from school, then until they come into the dinner table,
2: Yeah, they got he's, him. he's
1: with them. He
2: likes it? He's comfortable? Oh, he loves
1: them so much. We're yeah, hearing. he's He's 17 months now, so he's just starting to try to say everybody's name. So, that's a lot of names. That's a lot of names for a little guy, but he's got a little sound he makes for each one of his sisters. Isn't
2: that great? Yeah. All right, now, why this book? You just wrote a book that surprised you. And I'm sure publishers, when they see somebody surprised, they're happy. <laughs> so I know that they uh, talk to you about it, I'm sure. But why did you come up with Daring to Hope? What, what inspired you to go this direction? And what's your hope for the book?
1: Yeah, actually, after Kisses from Katie, I kind of said like, whew, not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people said, well, when are you going to write another book? When are you going to write another book? And I said, well... Only if God gives me another book. I don't know that I'll ever write another book. Um, and so it's actually been about seven years since that wow. published. Yeah, it's been a long time. And um, our family really faced some hardship during that seven years. We have a small, we call it the guest house, but in our backyard is a line of cement rooms. They're just small rooms that we let people live in. So over the course of the last this seven years. This is in years, addition
2: to the thirteen.
1: Yeah. This is other people. Yeah, this is other people.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay. So
1: so we have our house. Yeah. And then we have a guest room in our house. Sometimes people live in that. (laughs) Okay. But we also have this little row of rooms in our backyard that people come and live in. So um, it may be somebody who's very ill and needs quick, easy access to the hospital. We live near the local hospital. Sometimes um, a mom who's in between jobs and has found herself homeless and needs shelter for herself or her children. I tell the story of Mac in this book who was he was actually the village drunk a guy that I found kind of an annoyance on my way to Bible study. You know, he would be stumbling around, but he was severely burnt and he came to live with us while he recovered
2: in the, in the guest house. In the guest house.
1: Yes. Um, and so as I. You know, as all these different people came into our life and I experienced their suffering really close up and personal and um, decided to allow my children to experience their suffering. Because that's a question you ask as a parent, too, right? Like, do I expose my kids to this or do I shelter them from this? Mm -hmm. Um, And and for a little while, I really wrestled with, okay, God, who are you here? You know, when you're when you're watching children die from preventable disease. When you're telling a mother, your child is not going to live anymore in the midst of such hardship, who is a good and loving God? And so, I I spent a lot of time with him. I actually, I I write in the book about my bathroom because my bathroom kind of became my little prayer closet because often it was the only place where we didn't have people. The (laughs) girls had their bedrooms and then we would have somebody in the guest room and then sometimes we even had somebody sleeping on the couch. And so I think the two youngest girls still slept in my room at that time. So if I wanted to be alone, I couldn't even just go to my bedroom. I had to go in the bathroom and shut the door. And that that became a place where I knew Jesus more intimately than I had ever known him, because I found that when I cried out to him, who are you in the midst of this pain? He showed me, he answered me, he comforted me, and he showed me sides of himself that I hadn't experienced yet and wouldn't have experienced had we not been so up close and personal with suffering. And there were prayers that I prayed that didn't get answered the way I wanted. I prayed for people who lived with us to be healed and stand up and walk and go home healthy in Jesus's name. And they died. And so then you're asking yourself why? Um, and you know, as I asked God these questions, I felt like he showed me that even when he didn't give me what I wanted, he gave me something better. Mm-hmm. And that was Himself, It was the gift of himself and his presence with me for me always. Um, and so that's really, you know, after coming through all this and then getting married and as, when I was pregnant with our baby, actually, I felt God's nudge that, OK, you've you know, you've scooted up close to me and you've known these things to be true and you've known my character to be true. And for a season, those lessons were just for you but now they're not just for you anymore and it's it's time to share those things you know at first you're kind of thinking oh really (laughs) (laughs) but um he's he's too good to keep to yourself right it's (laughs) too it's too good a message (laughs) to not share that in the midst of all hardship in the midst of all suffering God is a good God who longs to comfort his people and who longs for people to know his love for them and I've, I've known that to be true. And so it's kind of the premise of this book. And so my hope is that it's relatable, that you know people's sufferings won't be the same as mine. Not all of us are, have like a dying person in our, in our living room or let the village drunk come and live in our backyard. And that's probably not for everyone. <laughs> but, but all of us are experiencing suffering. It's in your face in Uganda and it's in your face in America. It's in your face when you turn on the news. And I think all of us, who really truly believe in Christ at some point have had to ask the question, then why is the world like this? And Why do you allow this? And, um, you know, I've, I've known him to be faithful and I wanted others to come away encouraged that even if their experience is very different, our God is the same God. And he is a God who reaches out to us in all our hard places, just longs for us to know his great love.
2: You know, you were talking about the praying for healing. And, uh, you know, as a Bible believer, I think most people who go to church, we believe God heals.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We certainly believe in New Testament miracles. Some people wonder if you're still going to have them. I think most of us would have to acknowledge that if the Bible says he's, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same. What he did then, he can do now. Yes. And years ago, we began to move into what I call a more active faith when we would pray for somebody to get healed, we would actually believe God wanted them to be healed. Uh, we, uh, I don't agree that if, uh, you know, somebody is sick, God, uh, made them sick, Uh, if God made them sick, then it'd be stupid to pay the doctor to get them well because you're paying the doctor (laughs) to fight God who's making you sick. So we just know sickness is a part of this life. We know disease, we know pestilence, we know sin and all these things are here and we see the effect of these things. And uh, sometimes we don't, as you just said, we pray for healing and we don't see the healing. And this happened with us with our own daughter. Our daughter, Robin, saw miracles. She experienced yeah. miracles. She experienced such an unbelievable miracle that surgeons were amazed. Her whole school was amazed. Uh, she saw God do so many things that there was no way she could ever doubt. And then uh, in her 30s, a mother of three beautiful children, she got cancer and it looked like she had won the battle and then ended up going into a more serious battle and at age 40 right after Christmas a few years ago, we said goodbye to her daughter. So and funny. I'm bringing this up because I need you to hear this. Uh, because she said we prayed for healing and uh, healing didn't come. Now I need you to hear this. You can have the healing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we want it. And it's wonderful. And we want it for everybody. But when the healing doesn't come, you've got to get this. You still have the healer. Yes. And it's better to have the healer. Mm-hmm than the healing Mm
1: -hmm.
2: because you see a parent loses a child. Most people say that's possibly the greatest weight you can bear Mm. on this earth. We have the healer. I think that you are showing people in your life, uh, Katie, that Jesus is adequate for every situation that you don't feel like you have lost things to not be here in the States and be over there in a very impoverished country with people who have been impacted, and yet there's joy. Mm-hmm. And you're telling us that if we would just let Jesus be who he is in mm-hmm. us, there's no bad place on earth to live. No. There's nothing desolate when he's present. No. And it is amazing what he does in the impossible situation. I honestly yes. believe you could be used to change the whole country of Uganda. I do you believe that? God can huh. use this young lady and the precious ruins ones that she's taken in. And who knows, maybe, maybe Uganda would help change America. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. You know, Africa's the resource richest continent mm-hmm. in the world, but their greatest resource are the people. Yes. And the people have been plundered and not developed fully. Therefore, the resources are not developed. And if we would learn to work together, there's mm. just nothing we can't do to see people set free. And that's the thing, the hope that you talk about is the only hope. You were talking about the truth a while ago. It's the truth that sets us free. Yes. That's what you're there. I think that's what you want everybody to get from what you share, what you've written. You want them to fall in love with Jesus, that mm. Jesus be who he is wherever they are. Is that right?
1: That is absolutely right.
2: Tell our viewers what you want them to, to contemplate as they... You know, we close this program. What do you want what do you want them focusing on?
1: I, I just think, you know, I, I want people to know God's love for them, his deep love for that that he would send his son. How much does he love us so much? And, you know, it's, it's what I share with my kids and it's what I share with these people that live in our guest house. But it's also why I write, because I don't like to come here and be away from my family, <laughs> but I I want people to know the love of Christ, and that it can transform our lives, transform our hearts, transform nations, transform everything.
2: You know, the, uh, you were telling that story about Mike. Did anything ever happen to him?
1: Yeah, you know, he- What happened to this old rock? He, his leg was burnt so badly that you could see his bone. It was a deep, deep wound. And a social worker on our staff said, well, we got to help him. And I'm going, "Okay, I guess we do. Um, We took him to three different hospitals. And three different doctors told me his leg needed to be amputated. And I just knew that for a man who was already drunk and homeless, the loss of a leg would mean the loss of life completely. And so um, the last doctor said to me, well, if somebody would bandage it every day, it could get well, but we don't have the medicine or the resources to do it here at this hospital. Would you like me to show you how? And I said,
0: he
2: yeah. He looking for the somebody.
1: <laughs> looking for the somebody, and I said, sure, I'll do that. So wow. Mac stayed in the guest house for about two years. For the first year, I bandaged his leg every single day.
2: God love you.
1: And as I bandaged his leg, he's told me about his life, and I got to tell him about the gospel. Um, as the year went by, my husband started, he wasn't my husband then, he was my friend, and I had said, hey, this guy needs a man to pour into him. So he started coming over twice a week and studying the Bible with Mac, and about a year in, Mac came to know Jesus as his savior, and his life has been completely transformed.
2: All right, that's in the book. And a whole lot more stories like that. Yeah. She told Betty and me, just full of glorious stories when you dare to hope. Uh, Mm. your ministry title online. I want you to find it. Pray about helping her support all their outreaches. And maybe there's a way you could even go over there and train some people Mm. in skills. What's the name of it?
1: The name of the ministry is Amazima. And all those opportunities are spelled out online.
2: Well, I really hope you'll visit that website and I hope you'll get the book and maybe get one for a friend that might dare to hope also. Mm. Katie, we love feeding children that are hungry. We love putting God's arms of love around children. You know, Betty and I went for so many years into the the very, let's say, where angels feared to tread Mm. uh, into great danger many, many times to put God's arms around kids. And you know what? I brought them all home in my heart. Mm -hmm. I didn't forget them. I didn't forget their faces. I shared them with you and you've changed their lives. Uh, We know that we've led over 12 million of these to Christ that came to be fed. We gave them the gospel. And we've saved over 10 million up toward 15 million lives, according to the reports from the African countries. That's what they tell us. So that's what you did. I Mm -hmm. want you to look in right now. I want you to see what love does, how you stop the death cycle and give life. Please watch. Ask God to let you see it the way he sees it and address it the way He wants us to address it. I think you'll be glad to do it. Mm -hmm. Watch closely.
3: James and Betty, last time we were in Mozambique together, we were walking through schools where mission feeding was happening. There were children dancing and singing and just life, life because of mission feeding in those villages, because of the Friends of Life because of each and every one of them opening their hearts, partnering with you, partnering with us to make that joy and that life possible for each and every one of those children. I I remember it like it was just yesterday. And I remember how filled with joy your heart was in seeing those children thriving, full of joy and full of energy. And all of that starting with just a bowl of food a day in the Mission Feeding Program in their schools, changing their lives, providing them with opportunity but James as you know all too well life is hard here in Africa for many of these families you know with the drought that we've experienced we've seen areas where they're just they're unable to produce food and what it's resulted in is a severe critical need a need that is putting children in malnutrition clinics I've seen some of the fullest malnutrition clinics I think I've ever seen in this area We've seen children, many of them, who I don't think will make it. A name on a little wooden cross, another life stolen by malnutrition, stolen by the simple lack of food. James, we have to do something about this. We've got to reach these children now. It's urgent, it's critical. We have to get to them now because if we don't get to them now, they're going to continue to dig more and more of these graves and bury more and more of these children. Please, James, ask the friends of life. Ask them to help you and to help us so that we can save these lives.
2: Well, you've heard the hard cry of a missionary, and that's Esau Pretorius, Peter Pretorius' son. And uh, you know, Betty, we had been where they were burying them by the thousands of little children. They were tiny graves like some you saw there. And the first time Betty and I saw them, I thought, I'm just going to die of a broken heart right there in the midst of all the digging. But, Betty, we actually asked our viewers to help in that particular crisis area that was even more severe than what Isak was referencing there. And when he pointed out that the malnutrition clinics, that's where they're going where the children are dying, and, and you pay for those too. That's part of what all the mission outreach feeding does. And that's the last effort to save them. But if we get them in the areas where the 400,000 are now, we can head them off and they don't get there. We begin to restore things. But where they were dying by the thousands, Betty, we went back two to three years later and the kids were in school singing about Jesus. And they all had food, had school feeding because we learned if we'd move the feeding to the schools, it brought the attendance up. And you you viewers are just amazing at doing what works. and Because it is love that works. And these kids were so happy when we got ready to leave. Uh, the pastor was a, a real little guy. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when I looked back, he was looking up at Peter and he was crying. So when Peter Pretorius came over to the truck, I said, Peter, what? what why was he crying? The kids were happy. He said, because he knew you saw how happy they were. And he remembered where they were and where you took them. And he thought now that you see them, you'll never come back. And maybe you won't be able to help anymore. And of course, we all wept tears of compassion again for the fact that he thought love might leave, but it didn't. We just kept feeding and we do. And anywhere we get the kids coming to get their little minds fed because we've got their bodies strong and you enable us to do it, we do it. So here's what I'm asking you to do right now. I want you to go online or call that number, and I want you to take your bank card and use it like a check, or if you write a check, make the check to life, but call us, tell us what you're sending. Now, now please listen to me. For $30, $50, or $100, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next several months. Now, this is not like, you know, you'd have at your home. This is nutrition. This is nourishment that totally stabilizes their situation, whatever the need is. And it is balanced biologically by overseers and the medical profession and even scientists who help us know this is the need there. That's why upgrading the food factory right now is really important. We've got a $216,000 need to upgrade. And I've been praying God would raise up 216 people that just give $1,000 each. So if you're one of those, do it. But what we need for those 400,000 is the 30, the 50, and the 100. For those three children you feed with $30, that's no small gift, so don't think that's too small. 50 for five or 100 for 10. There's a level at which you can participate. There may be some of you can say, I could feed several hundred kids. God's blessed man, I'm going to do it because it works. Would you please right now, go online, call the number, make the gift God puts on your heart. We have some gifts to send you, you're going to like you're gonna appreciate because you are going to arise and shine and reveal God's love. Thank you so much for doing it. Thanks for making that call. Thanks for the gift.
0: In impoverished and famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great and without food, they face death by starvation. With your support, you will help feed and care for children in crisis areas of Sudan, Angola, and Mozambique. With Africa facing ongoing food shortages and drought, we urgently need to replenish supplies and come to the aid of 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, dollars 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider an additional gift to help provide critically needed upgrades to our food factory that will increase overall production by a staggering 50%. This is a $216,000 challenge above our normal feeding budget that could help save even more lives. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you in the middle of the mess. In her new book, Sheila Walsh brings insight to knowing the peace and presence of Christ in the midst of life's inevitable messes. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed and care for 10 children, we'll send you Sheila's book, plus the Arise coffee mug, This heat-activated mug reveals Isaiah 61 each time you fill it with a warm beverage, a wonderful way to begin your day. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online.
2: I wanna ask you to uh, rise on the turbulence of the times like an eagle, rise higher. Uh, We're sending this to those who will make a gift of $1,000 or more, and I ask you to consider a $1,000 gift to help us really upgrade that uh, food factory. It'll just be amazing. Would you consider that, being one of 216 people? Uh, We're sending Sheila's book. We want to bless you. This is in the bookstores. Katie is a blessing, Daring to Hope. If you say, James, would would you send me her book if we just help these kids some? Sure. You just ask. We want to be a blessing to you. We'll send it to you. Join Betty and me in saying thanks to a Jesus filled girl, Katie.
0: Are you ready to start solving your money problems? David Crink helps you learn easy ways to budget, eliminate debt, increase saving, and give generously. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.